And so today we kick off the Summer of Miracle series talking about Jesus' first miracle when he turned the water into wine. And it happened of, out of all places, a wedding. Now, a wedding back in Jesus' day was nothing like the weddings we experience today where we get all stressed about one day, right? But the weddings of Jesus' day lasted seven days. How many know there's pressure right there? It was seven days long. And listen, it wasn't, you didn't, you didn't create a guest list in Jesus' times. Actually, the entire community was invited and you were responsible to make sure that they had food and drink for seven days. Come on, how you know that would break your budget right there. Leaders and rabbis, which Jesus was in, in, in this in this uh, story, were distinguished guests at weddings. And after the ceremony, the doors would, would shut and the celebration would begin again for seven days. And the guests were given special garments, clothing of festivity, and the bridegroom and the bride were treated as king and queen. They didn't do any work. They would just watch the festivities, eat, drink, and dance. And then you had the steward of the feast. This is, the, this is kind of comparable to the wedding coordinator of our day, the event planner of our day, if you will. And their responsibility was to make sure that there was enough food and drink, come on, to last the entire celebration. If the wine ran out, the feast would be considered a failure, the wedding a disaster, and the family would be held in disgrace, and the young couple actually could live their life, the rest of their life, in dishonor. They would be remembered for the wedding, come on, that ran out of food and drink. In John chapter 2, we're at least three days into a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee, John chapter 2, verse 2, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Leads me to my first point. We need to invite Jesus to be present before there's a problem. You know, there's so many times that we wait until we get into difficulty. We wait till we get into a situation to invite Jesus into our mess. But I came here to tell you this morning that God's presence can prevent disaster, not just deliver you from a disaster. <clears throat> and so many times we wait to invite Jesus to our situation to save us rather than preserve us. In other words, we serve a crisis Jesus rather than Christ Jesus. A crisis relationship with Jesus is when we only invite him into our life when we need him to pull off that last-minute miracle. Rather than inviting him into our daily lives and living in Christ Jesus, living in his anointing, walking in his anointing, come on, working in his anointing, walking in the anointing that preserves us, walking in the power that prevails, walking in the presence that protects us. 
Not a crisis Jesus relationship, but Christ, which means anointed. Walking in the anointed one. I did something earlier this week that I hadn't done in quite some time. I put on the full armor of God according to Ephesians 6. I, I, I was trained to do that, and, you know, over time, sometimes you switch your prayer life up, but I hadn't done it in quite some time, and, you know, I put on the, buck, the, the, buckle, the buckle of truth, the belt of truth. I took up my shield of faith. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the helmet of salvation. I shod my feet with the gospel of peace. Amen. Because I was reminded I need to be dressed for battle, not surprised by the battle. And so many times we're caught off guard. Come on. We're caught off guard. We're not ready. We're not walking in the anointing. And instead of having a continuous relationship with Christ, we cry out only when we need him. You see, God has called us to live our life on offense, not just defense. God has called us to be a releaser of miracles, not just someone who's rescued by one. Now, going back to this couple, you talk about pressure. On your wedding day, this couple would have had on them food and wine, again, for seven days for the entire community. And this couple unbeknowingly saved themselves from a life of dishonor by honoring Jesus with an invitation to be present at their wedding celebration. You see, when you and I invite Jesus' presence in your life, how do you know it takes the pressure off? When you and I decide to live in the anointed one, live in Christ Jesus, how do you know the pressure comes off? How you know we can cast all our cares upon him? The pressure is off. Verse 3, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Leads me to my second point. Running out of what we have to serve our community is sometimes the best thing that can happen to us. You see, the wine ran out, and I love this. The wine ran out, and Mary ran to Jesus. And I believe God is waiting for churches to run out of what we can do on our own so we can run to Jesus and ask him to provide something from heaven that we cannot do on our own. Listen, we've got it so programmed. Come on, we've got it so figured out. We've got the lights. We've got the music. We've got this. We've got that. But come on, how many know if we don't have the presence of God, we don't have anything? I love serving our community. God gave me the idea of love Natomas, but at the same time, I recognize that anyone can serve their community. Anyone can volunteer. How you know you don't have to be a believer to volunteer? Anyone can give a generous donation. We see it all the time. But let me challenge you. Not everyone can ask for heaven's best for our community. Not everybody can serve in the name of Jesus. Not everybody can be generous in the name of Jesus because he can take what I have, come on, and when I honor him with it, he can multiply it. Listen, he can take 200 volunteers like he did at Love Natomas, and he can do 12 projects, and he can touch people's lives while we do it. He can multiply the effect 
When we acknowledge his power and presence, you see, running out of our own resources to pull something off causes us to pull from the resources of heaven. Listen, there is so much in my heart that I want to do as a church that I want to see even done around here. But you know what? I don't got it. I don't, I don't have it. But I know who does. It causes me, listen, I'm so glad that the vision that is in my heart, come on, I'm so glad for what he deposited in me, the things that I'm seeing, I'm so glad I can't afford them because it's going to cause us to look to him and we're going to know it's him because he's going to provide all the resources that we would ever need to do what he's called us to do. Verse 4 says, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Now, you and I both know if, if that's how Jesus really would have said it, he would have got slapped by his mama Mary, right? <laughs> and it leads me to my third point. We honor Jesus when we allow him to own our problems. You see, unforeseen circumstances, difficult times, trials, and unexpected pain, they all come with a heavy burden to bear. And how we know feeding an entire community, reaching an entire community, reaching the region of Sacramento, come on, you're going to change the world in Jesus' name. How we know that should come with a heavy burden. (laughs) The Old Testament word for honor means heavy or weighty. The figurative meaning is to give weight to someone. To honor God in the middle of our difficulty then is to give what's too heavy for me to carry alone and to take that which is weighing me down. Have you ever been weighed down? And grant, listen, and grant Jesus the position and the permission in my life and the respect and the authority in my life to carry which by myself would crush me. You see, if we allow Jesus to own our problems, he will give us the miracles needed to overcome them. There's a lot of discussion and debate about these, this remark and how Jesus said it. And if you look at it, there's basically three things that, that commentators say that they said Jesus cried, uh, they said Jesus was disrespecting his mom. Well, we know he did, that would have been sin, right? So we know that that wasn't it. He was distancing himself away from his mom. We, we know that that's not true. And then he was refusing. Actually, he didn't want to do the miracle. But if you look, if you look if, and you do a study, I'm going to do about two and a half hours of study in like 30 seconds, all right? It says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. The literal translation, and this is on on the screen there, is, madam, what to you and to me? How many know that's difficult to understand still, right? But modern linguists say like this, it's all right. I know. My father knows. Leave it to me. And I believe that's what God is saying to those of us who may need a miracle today. It's all right. I know. My father knows. Leave it to me. Will you just come on? Will you just touch your neighbor and just say, it's all right? He knows. Leave it to him. You see, miracles are anchored heavily in glorious honor. 
And miracles happen, listen to this, miracles happen when I shift the weight of my worries to Jesus. Psalm 111, uh, Psalm 111, 2 and 4 says, the works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. You see, when Mary saw the wine run out, she knew the weight of the problem that it was going to cause this couple, and she chose not to carry the weight all by herself. Come on. She instead honored Jesus by transferring the weight of the problem to him. Can somebody just put their hands up and say, Jesus, will you just take this right now? You just say, God, will you take my anxiety? Will you take this heaviness? Will you take this right now? Will you, will you just lift this off me right now? Come on, that song, shake off the heavy. Will you just shake it off right now? You just shake it off. You just say, Lord, take it. I'm honoring you right now. I I'm honoring you right now. I'm acknowledging, God, that I cannot carry this on my own. I cannot do this on my own. God, I honor you and I give you glory. Manifest your presence in my life. You see, if you can do that right there, if we can leave it up to Jesus, he will live up to all who he says he is in our lives. Leads me to verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do you do it? How do you know Mama won just right there? She just won. I just want to talk to you for a second about simple obedience. At this moment when the disciples overhear Mary and Jesus going back and forth, I'm sure they were like most of us. They were like, hey, man, we got to make a run to BevMo. We got to run down to 7-Eleven Vineyards and we got to pick up some wine, y'all, right? But they came quickly to the conclusion that if they were going to save this couple from experiencing a life of shame, they were going to have to act on the words of Jesus immediately. Leads me to the fourth point. Obedience to God's word always reveals God's will for my life and the Holy Spirit's work through my life. You see, when we are willing to do whatever God says, we will experience the wonders of obedient faith. The wonders of obedient faith. Many times as believers, I believe we overcomplicate uh, over things by overthinking what God told us to do. Come on, and we suffer what I call paralysis analysis. Come on, God spoke to us to do something very simple, right? Do this, and then we got to go and get everybody's opinion about what that simple thing that God told us to do. And then we come back to the point of like, well, what do I do? Paralysis analysis, right? We're overthinking that simple obedience. And God just wants us, listen, he just wants us to say yes, that quiet voice, that, and sometimes that quiet voice is just a little prod. You ever got that prod? You ever just got that little nudge by the Holy Spirit? Say something, do something, give something, serve something, sow something. You ever been there? And that simple obedience, just doing what he says. Could you imagine if just every single person in this room just, just said, you know what, God, I'm just going to do whatever 
you tell me to do. That, that, that's really, I tell you guys every week, but I get to see it every week. That's really the miraculous that is really happening here at Real Life Church, just even in our generosity, in our giving. It's just a lot of people just saying, yes, I believe in what God is doing here at Real Life. I believe that, I believe what God is building here. I believe in it. And so, therefore, I'm just saying yes to God. It's just a bunch of people saying yes to him. And how many know when a bunch of people say yes to him, he can move through them? And he multiplies what we can do. Verse 6. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purifications of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Leads me to the fifth point there that Jesus wants to interrupt our religious rituals so he can provide the needed miracles. You know, sometimes I think we can become so methodical that we never make room for the supernatural. That's why the presence of God is so important to me. I never want to do ministry without the presence of God. I never want to do ministry without the power of God. That's, that's why I need you to lean in, and, and, and we need to pray for, for the right person to come and, and lead us forward in our worship because we, we need, come on, we don't need performance. We need presence. We need presence. We need presence-oriented ministry, and, and, and so many times without it, it just gets like, you, you guys come in, right? With this morning, you came in, and, and the announcements came on first, and you were like, we don't do it in this order. Some of you, you just said we didn't have announcements because you were late, but we had announcements. We just had them before service, right? But we, so, we become so methodical, right? We become so methodical. It's like, you know, three songs, a hallelujah, a this, a that, right? And we get so stuck in the method. Come on, we miss the move. <laughs> Jesus is observing the courtyard <clears throat> at the wedding, and he's looking for what's available for him to use. And he notices these six stone water pots. These six stone water pots were used for religious washing of hands, for ceremonial, ceremonial purification of the Jews. And so before they ate, they had to go to these six water pots and and wash their hands, or they would be unclean if they didn't wash before they ate. Many of us, right, wash your hands before you eat, right? We still, we still practice some of that. But if these water pots were contaminated in any way, they would actually be broken into pieces and, and discarded. I really believe, <laughs> excuse me, I really believe that there is a symbolic and prophetic meaning for us here this morning behind this miracle. You guys ready? I'm ready now. You see, he's looking for pure, empty vessels that are tired of the ritual, that are tired of the routine, that are tired of the religiosity, so that they can be filled and poured out. How many of you want to be a water pot wonder? Come on. 
Someone just puts you on the side. They just put you in storage. Come on, for a ceremony, for a ritual. But something inside of you saying, you know what? I'm going to be used for the greater purposes of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but this beautiful treasure is contained in us, cracked pots made of earth and clay, so that the transcendent character of this power will be clearly seen as coming from God and not from us. I love how the Passion Translation says, it says, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow, how many ready for an extraordinary overflow in your life? So that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. And I believe with all my heart, listen, there is an outpouring in you and I waiting, come on, waiting to be released. It leads me to my sixth point. If we underestimate the practical, we might miss the opportunity for a miracle. I read a book a long time ago by Tommy Barnett. You might remember this book, but it was called There's a Miracle in Your House. And the subtitle raised, uh, said this. It said, God's solution and poured out and spilled out again? Sometimes is the miracle. When we put our hands and say, God, I'll do the practical, that's when God releases the miracle. Verse 9, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, Leads me to point seven there. The supernatural is released when servants are willing to pour. The supernatural is released when servants are willing to pour. Each week we're going to reveal a painting. And this is the picture that I want up in our sanctuary to remind us, listen, that miracles are released through the practical. Miracles are released Come on, when servants are willing to pour. Listen, your miracles are not in the filling. They're in the pouring. I think so much of Christianity has become, fill me, 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 fill me. Wait, wait, wait. He already fills you on Pentecost. He already fills you with the Holy Ghost. You don't need a filling. You need a spilling. You don't need a filling. You need a pouring. Listen, some of you are waiting for a miracle. God is waiting for you to pour out. God is waiting for you to do something. He's waiting for you to do the practical. He's waiting for you to do whatever he says. He's waiting for you to go get the water pots. But some of you, you're waiting for the miracle. <laughs> Y'all hear me? <laughs> you see, it's not about filling as much it is, much it is about spilling our lives. When uh, years ago, I was uh, in Fremont, I was the youth pastor there, and we did what we called fill and spills. Fill and spills. So on Friday nights, we would come, we'd have a worship night, and we'd worship for two to three hours, praying for our city, and, and just, you know, just getting, getting in God's presence. 
But we intentionally on Saturday morning, we had an outreach scheduled. And what we would do is we would do servant evangelism all over our city. We'd do different things like donut drive-bys. I've told you about these. Listen, you do donut drive-bys. Instead of like ordering something at Jack in a Box, you bring a box of Krispy Kreme donuts and you slide them across there. We've seen, listen, we've seen crazy stuff happen. We go to Food Max, places like Food Max, and, and bags people, bag people's groceries, get in conversations with them, walk them out to the car, end up praying for them in the parking lot. Why? Because there was a fill and a spill. And we need to do more spilling. You see, in our consumer culture, our consumer culture says, preserve your life. Preserve your life. Come on. Compartmentalize your life. Come on. One, two, three. We got this bucket, that bucket, this bucket, that. God wants all the buckets. None of it is separated. And our consumer culture says preserve your life, but kingdom culture says pour out your life. Luke 9, 24 says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I see so many folks, listen, they're trying to hang on to everything, right? Trying to hang on to this, hang on to this, hang on to that, hang on to this. First thing to go is church. First thing to go is, but they're trying to hold on, and they end up losing that too. Because why? Listen, when God is a part of it all, when he's the owner of it all, listen, how you know the pressure's off you? The promises of God are activated in your life and released. We see this pouring in Paul's ministry as well, and he describes it as an Old Testament drink offering, which was a daily sacrifice made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. How we know when we pour out, come on, there's some sweet smelling wine coming out of us. There's a fire, come on, that starts when we begin to pour as God's people. Paul said, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. 2 Timothy 2.6, he said, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. You see, when God's servants pour out, God's power is displayed. The miracles, signs, and wonders, you guys, they're in the serve. They're in the serve. I don't care, listen, if there's only 20% of the people serving here at Real Life, how many know that's only about 20% of the miracles that we possibly could see? But how many know we'd love to flip that? We'd love to see 80% of the people serving. Why? More opportunities for miracles. More, more opportunities for lives being touched. More, more opportunities for the power of God being displayed when we all get activated, when we're all pouring. And many of you are pouring in different areas of our community, and you, you've got different, different things happening. But listen, collectively together, when we pour out, come on, God's power shows up. The miracle signs and wonders are in the serve. It leads me to my last point and last verse there. He said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. In other words, the cheap stuff. You've kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Here's number eight. Here's the kicker. God desires to use us to give them, come on, to give others 
God desires to use us to give others the best of what he has for them. Yes, he saved the newlyweds from a life of shame and embarrassment. Yes, the disciples believed in him. But here is, here, here's, here's the main point I want you to hear through this first miracle. There was an entire community on that day that got a taste of heaven. Think about it. Think about it. What, what, what could have happened if the wine didn't show up? How you know, there would probably be some aggravated folks. There would have been some hungry folks or some angry, they call it hangry today, right? <laughs> hungry and angry combined. They would have been hangry, right? But listen, we need to know that God saves the best for those that need him the most. Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And this morning, I want to tell you, as we venture off in this series, the summer of miracles, listen, whether you're in need of a miracle, listen, or you're desiring God to use you and be a releaser of miracles, an encourager, being used by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says this, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman who trusts in him. You see, when we trust him, everybody say trust him. When we trust him, we get a taste of heaven. How many are you ready to get a taste of heaven? To get a taste of all that he has for us. And then not just a taste, but how many love a full course meal? Come on, that we begin to see, listen, a rhythm of miracles happening at Real Life Church. It'd not just be a rarity, but people would hear about the power and the presence of God. People would hear about healings that are happening and people getting healthy again and marriages thriving again and, and families coming back together again and marriages getting whole again and teenagers finding Christ again. That, 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 come on, that there would be Come on, a miracle flowing, a miracle power, miracle working power flowing, listen, in and through this house, through your life. Today, Jesus is still reserving his best for you and I. Today, you may feel though you've ran out of everything you have, ran out of chances, ran out of strength, ran out of opportunities. And it's okay, because how many know when we run out, we can run to Jesus?